Sports. Mitch and Steve on Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. It is Arizona Sports Saturday. Thanks for checking out the show. Steve Zinsmeister here with you. Mitch has the day off. We've been talking a lot of baseball with the Diamondbacks heading to the NLCS for the first time since 2007. They will play for a pennant. First time in 16 years. It's unbelievable. And here to talk with me about that is Alex Weiner. He covers the team for Arizona Sports and ArizonaSports.com. He's also my co-host on the Ain't No Fang podcast. Hello, Alex. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm holding up, man. And we're learning more about what is to come in the NLCS. So we found out starting pitcher matchups, or at least on the Diamondbacks side, we know what's pretty much going to happen in games one and two. Zach Gallen's going to get game one, despite the fact that Merrill Kelly is kind of next in line. Were you surprised that they made that switch? Not really. You know, it's, it's kind of interesting how you map it out because by that point, or by the time game two comes around, Merrill's going to go quite a while without having thrown a game. He's only pitched one game this postseason, but at the same time, you know, Gallon's their 1A and Kelly's their 1B. And so at that point, it's already been enough time where I don't know how much big of a difference it makes necessarily as far as preparation. So yeah, they want, you know, Gallon and Kelly to go games one and two and then down the road games five and six in the series. So uh, it's not going to be you know, like the NLDS was set up where they'll have such this, you know, where they could have pitched four out of five games if the series went long enough. It's going to be a little bit different in how it's mapped out. But yeah, they're both in line to go twice each if the series lasts long enough. Yeah, that's interesting. You just said something I hadn't even thought of was the fact that they're going to go six games and only throw Merrill Kelly one time in those six games. That's that's kind of remarkable. Uh, talk to me about the Phillies, though. It's it's a totally different animal than the Dodgers. I get that. What do Diamondbacks fans need to know about the Phillies heading into the NLCS? Uh, this is a really hot team. I mean, you know, they finished in the top wild card spot. The Braves won the division uh, pretty, you know, pretty handily. But the Phillies in the second half of the season really came on strong, uh, and especially offensively. You know, Bryce Harper, you know, missed the first chunk of the season after recovering from Tommy John and he really found a rhythm in the second half and Trey Turner signed big free agent struggled early, but then found it down the stretch. And so this is a lineup that has a ton of stars that they spent a ton of money on over the last few seasons. And it really came together. And, you know, we saw that against the Braves uh, to take them down in four games. So it's a great lineup with a lot of power the pitching staff, uh, you know, the bullpen has been very good. Uh, a lot of guys with good stuff. You know, Craig Kimbrell's been around. He's, he's, he's the closer right now. Um, and he's had a nice bounce back season. And then the starting rotation. I mean, it's it's Zach Wheeler up top. Then they'll get Aaron Nola. And then they'll get Ranger Suarez, most likely. And, and Wheeler has been an ace this year, once again. Pitched very well in the postseason. The entire rotation has pitched really well in the postseason. So it's, it's a team. I mean... It, you know, there are four teams remaining. It's a very good team uh, across offense and defense, so or at least offense and pitching. So it's it's going to be a, it's going to be a tough challenge. Yeah, there's really no weak opponents the rest of the way. If you're going to win a championship, you're going to have to beat some really good teams. And I feel that the Diamondbacks have beat some good teams. The Brewers were not pushovers. They were leading in both of those games, and the D-backs had to claw their way back. The Dodgers, while missing a ton of starting pitching, I mean, that's a lineup that still includes two MVP-caliber players. So I'll ask you this. Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman go a combined 1-for-21 in the NLDS. 
Is there any way to do something comparable with guys like Castellanos and Harper and Trey Turner in this Phillies lineup? I mean, in theory, yes, but that's pretty extreme. I mean, one for 21, and it could have been 0 for 21. I don't know. These Phillies, the Phillies team, they've been swinging the bats really well. Uh, in the you know in the postseason, you know they scored ten runs in Game Three against the Braves, and then even in that last game, Game Four, they only scored three runs, but it was three, you know, no doubter home runs. I mean, it, it's a lineup full of guys who can kind of change the course of a series with one swing of the bat, and you know, just even like looking at like the lineup depth compared to teams that the Diamondbacks have faced, it, it's a little deeper. Uh, so it, it's it's a little bit different, obviously the Diamondbacks are going to be rolling out their top two pitchers in the first two games. They have a bullpen who has been, that has been tremendous down the stretch of the season and in this postseason so far. And then Brandon Fott held his own against the Dodgers to, you know, complete the sweep. So, you know, the D-backs are going in with pitching staff that has been very, very good. But yeah, it, it seems a little extreme to think that they can, you know, completely shut down this Phillies offense, but you never know. That's why they play. Talking with Alex Weiner, our D-backs insider at Arizona Sports. Uh, the home field advantage in Philadelphia. While I'm sure you're thrilled to be traveling to Philadelphia to get a cheesesteak, uh, we can all acknowledge it's going to be a pretty hostile environment for the players and for the Diamondbacks in, in particular. Um, talk to me about what you think it'll be like playing in Philadelphia versus, you know, you won some big games in L.A., and that's not an easy place to play either. Yeah, I have never been to Citizens Bank Park, so from personal experience, I, I, I don't really know what it is like. But, um, I mean, seeing it on TV, seeing just, you know, the pop of the crowd when big moments happen and hearing all the stories about it. I mean, Merrill Kelly said yesterday that he went to Game 3 of the World Series last year with his brother uh, to watch the Phillies and the Astros. So he got a pretty close uh, encounter with what it is like to be in that crowd. Yeah, they're they're expecting it to be a, a pretty extreme, but at the same time, against the Dodgers, which is you know not a quiet crowd in and of itself, they were able to jump on them early and take the crowd out of it, and it was sort of a frustrated uh, crowd for the rest of the series, as opposed to it kind of being you know super locked in and a huge factor. So that's going to be key. Is just you know the crowd can only get so loud as you know the home team goes in that sense. So. You know, playing well early and jumping out ahead, I think that's a way to control everything. But yeah, it'll be it'll be pretty uh, eye-opening, that's for sure. I wanted to ask you about Tori Lovello's bullpen usage because it's been kind of comparable. It's been similar through the majority of the postseason games. The trend is you throw a guy early, maybe like a Joe Mantiply if you need a lefty, or an Andrew Saul Frank if you need a lefty, and then you kind of move to the typical guys. You've got Ryan Thompson, who right now is a multi-inning reliever. You've got Kevin Ginkle in the eighth, and then Paul Sewald in the ninth. Do you anticipate that they will continue to kind of go that route with the bullpen through the majority of the close games? Yeah, I think I think the way that they handled it will be pretty similar. I mean, they've had a shorter leash on starting pitching, uh, at least the last few starts. I mean, Zach Gallen coming out of the game at 84 pitches, I mean, Brandon Fott only going four and a third. You know, Torrey has talked about, you know, stopping momentum, but also against the Dodgers team, he wanted to flip around some of their bats to help the matchups later in the game. Uh, and it worked. And you know, while, you know, it, it may not be, you know, as, I guess, pleasing to watch, you know, when a starting pitching pitcher is kind of humming the way that Brandon Fott was coming out of the game early, ultimately the move ended up 
you know, panning out. And uh, I guess we'll never know what would have happened if they kept thought in there. So, yeah, I think it'll be pretty similar as far as playing the matchups and kind of having a plan in place on how long pitchers will go, um, what the lineup looks like. I know they've been doing a lot of scouting last few days. So, yeah, I don't anticipate anything crazy changing as far as the way that they've been handling the pitching. But, of course, there is that game four where we don't know who's going to start if it's going to be a bullpen game, if it's going to, it sounds like they want to have a starting pitcher there. So we don't know who that is yet. So maybe that kind of throws a little bit of a wrench into it, but I wouldn't expect too much change. And we will find out to uh, stay up to speed on all things going on in the NLCS. And with the Diamondbacks, you're going to want to check out Alex Weiner's stuff at ArizonaSports.com. All right, Alex, uh, safe travels to you. I look forward to talking with you on Monday for game one. Thanks, Steve.